Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, they'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline. I write the How to Decorate blog. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Karen. I head up Ballard's branding team. We're We're your hosts. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of the show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at BallardDesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. And now, on with the show. All right. Well, I am so excited to chat with our guest today. Her name is Isla Gaunt, and she is a art advisor and a Texas native. She has 15 years of experience in the art world, both in galleries and auction houses. And I found your Instagram somehow. And love your Instagram. Encourage everyone to go check it out. We'll get more into that in a minute, but welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Again, I, like I said before, this is my first podcast, so I appreciate the invite. Of course. And I have you. I didn't even mention it's day three of Houston week. So um, I know you're a San Antonio girl, but you live in Houston now. So um, yeah, survived the storm. Oh, last week. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, y'all are not even going to believe that our, we actually of all the weeks to plan, um, all of our Houston recordings. It was the week of the. We, we had no yes, electricity. So I'm glad you're okay. Um, yeah, we're thinking about everyone in Houston for sure, and we had mm-hmm. we had lots of team members uh, stranded out there too. So mm-hmm. very scary. Well, it's a sunny, beautiful day today. So how how weather changes in Texas so yeah, quickly? Yeah. Well, okay. So I, I I feel like everyone has to go check out your Instagram because you do something so unique on your channel, and it's what. Uh, made me discover it and you do these little art history lessons and I think it's so fascinating mm-hmm. um you know art history I'm sure a lot of us has taken maybe a class or two in college but I love the way the, the stories make it yes that we've forgotten now <laughs> but um but your stories make it so digestible and you can do you know a quick little like six to ten slides and you feel like you've gotten this little nugget of wisdom about about the art industry. And so I've, I've loved reading them. What, what, what made you start doing them on your channel? Well, it's funny. I think the first one I did was a couple of years ago. I mean, I can't believe it's been that long, but I did a story on Fabergé eggs at Easter. And, um, and it was just a simple story, but just talked about what the history of Fabergé and how, you know, it was Easter themed. It was trying to think of something to do on Easter. And, and, um, and then I started doing them Every once in a while, and then I started trying to commit to doing them every Sunday, which some Sundays I just do an archive story. But um, it was amazing, the response. I feel like uh, then there's no um, it's just my volunteered time doing them. But I think it helps me also just to kind of just like you said, refresh your memory. And I start with something that I find interesting or, you know, I'll have a conversation with a client and I'll say, well, this kind of, ha- you know, I'll say some, an artist like Ed Ruscha. And then, so I don't know Ed Ruscha's work. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to make that, make a note of that and I'll do a story on him. And, um, but it's amazing the response I get people messaging me saying that, um, you know, they look forward to them. And again, that kind of keeps me going, I think, because I feel like maybe people are waiting around for them to be posted on Sunday. (laughs) I don't know, but, um, but I do, it's amazing how, how many people have reached out and say they look forward to them. And it's, and it's, again, it's almost like, it's a free art history lesson. It's content mm-hmm. on there that doesn't have any other motive except to, you know, share my knowledge of art history and hope to get more people interested in art history. So, yeah. um, but, but really it just started that way. And then 
again, I, I, I occasionally kind of pull people to get some more um, suggestions of things to do because I, you know, I've done a lot now. I mean, I, yeah, there's, and sometimes they're not even a lot of them for people that are listening. You can see them on my highlights. You can go back and look through old art history stories, but yeah. So it's, it's one of the things that's brought people to my Instagram. Well, you know, so some of them are so, you know, they're very, I don't know if the word niche is the right word, but I was just looking at one around the, um, the Colum hotel in Italy. And I thought it was just in France. France, 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 Um, and so fascinating, just little tiny stories or, um, individuals that one so much. And also too, so much of what, like the one I did, I don't know if you saw the one on uh, Robert, Indiana a couple of weeks ago, but, or in Valentine's day, but the fact that he was had a relationship with Ellsworth Kelly and that that kind of inspired him to go in the direction that he went. All these interconnections, mm-hmm. Agnes Martin lived in the same building. And I feel like it kind of people, I don't know, there's something it's, it adds a personal level to the art and adds some background to it mm-hmm. that um, I think people, you you appreciate it more than just purely the aesthetics of looking at something kind of to understand the, the story behind it. Um, but yeah, like in Van Gogh and the Yellow House, there's been ones I've done that have been much more like, um, and then the bar, the Barnes collection, you know, there's, there's some interesting ones in there that you might not even have learned about in art history class that are, right. but you know, the artists that kind of, um, that, you know, that, that are part of it, but you might not know the story mm-hmm. behind it. And then you had also said that you'd like Dorothy Miller's story. And there's so many, um, I've loved the idea of kind of exposing these women behind these big art powerhouses, you mm-hmm. know, like the fact that without Peggy Guggenheim, you probably wouldn't have Pollock mm-hmm. without, Gertrude Stein, you wouldn't have Picasso. And so there's so many fun links to Virginia Dwan was the first person that really brought minimalism to the forefront. Mm -hmm. So there's all these powerful women that were behind curating these and supporting these artists. So there's lots of, lots to be learned. Tell us how you got into this field. So I was an art history major at Vanderbilt. um, And then I moved to London and did the Christie's program. They have a graduate program there. And then I worked for galleries for a while. And um, I got my master's at University of Houston when I moved back here in art history. And um, I mean, my 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 aunt was a is a um, art advisor in San Antonio, and I interned for her. I always loved I, I've always loved art and art history. I mean, it's something I loved since high school. So really, I've been involved with it my whole you know my mm-hmm. whole adult life. So and then and then really, what I when I was working for galleries. So much as of what you have is you have your inventory that you sell, right, mm-hmm. of the artists that you, you represent. But with what I do now, I have the freedom to look at everything yeah. and propose everything to clients, you know. And so it's I love what I do. I think it. I mean, it, I look at art all day long. I read about art all day long and I, that's my job. So it's really fun. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I mean, obviously, you must really get to be able, you must have to really get to know your clients to um to be able to suggest art to them and, you know, shop for them. But how, how do you know when something's going to be right for a client? You really found this great piece. Do you know, or do you have to show well, them a lot? I mean, sometimes we start it from a place where, where they don't even know where they want to begin. And I always suggest, I mean, one of the things that Instagram does do is it allows them to go back through and what, when they look through and see what they like, you know, because obviously they, they've come to me, because I've seen something on my website or some, and I say, well, what brought you here in the first place? Mm-hmm. So a lot of mm-hmm. it, there's, they're coming with me with some idea of what attracted them in the first place. But 
I just always advise to look at everything and then to not rule out mediums. You know, I feel like people want, sometimes want to be safe with their art. And I'm like, and I want them to look at other, you know, mediums, their installation pieces, sculpture, photography. There's just lots to work with. And so, yeah. I mean, occasionally I'll send them a presentation that's, um, it's a variety of things to start with, but most people that come to me kind of know or just trust me and, they, and they're looking for more creating like an eclectic collection and they want me to help them source mm-hmm. it, you know. When um, we're shopping, should we be thinking about art as an investment? Should it be just something you fall in love with? Should it be an element in your decor? I mean, because, you know, I imagine it's hard to even think of just what you're looking for aesthetically, but how should we think about it like more, you know, like the strategy? It's a good question because I think that you, bottom line, you have to love the piece, right? I don't think you should ever buy something because you think it's going to be an investment and live with it that way. I think you, you're going to buy something with the intention to keep right. it and love it. But I do think that there is this trend towards thinking about art as an extension of decoration. Mm-hmm. And I think really it should be its own entity and be something that kind of brings life to a home. And, you know, and so I, I, I tend to not think I'm going to, I'm going to find a piece to match the green sofa, right? I don't want to, I don't, that's not the direction I go. I want to find something that's going to either the message in it, what the artist's doing. I, I really think that um, people need to read about the artist, read about what the, what the message is behind the artwork, you know, and that to me, that brings so much more life to the piece rather than just buying it mm-hmm. to just fill a wall, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And then and the investment's always a plus. I mean, there's things that we, I wish I'd you know, kick myself that I didn't buy, that I was proposing to clients that I didn't purchase myself because now I can't even get my hands on them, you know? So, um, again, that's a plus. And I think that so much of it is, you know, you, uh, gallery representation, cause there's galleries that really take care of their artists and they know that they're going to try to place them in good collections and all those things lead to artworks being good investments that they end up being, you know, maybe you're going to be part of a collection that's one day going to be endowed to a museum. And then, you know, it rolls in from there in terms of becoming a good investment. But again, the bottom line is you should love the piece. And it shouldn't mean that the piece has right. to be expensive either. You know, there's mm-hmm. so many wonderful artists that are um, emerging artists that are, you know, that we should all go out there and support. There's so much yeah. great mm-hmm. art Because when you talk about our bringing a home to life, you certainly aren't falling in love with a piece because of its price tag. You're falling in love with it for all those other reasons you're saying, whether it's the connection with the artist or the story behind the piece or any of that. And, and you know, looking at something on the wall and going, gosh, it's got a re- great resale value. Is not going to make you love it anymore or connect yeah, with it anymore? Yeah. I know. And I do think that it, it's, you'd be surprised when you start to build or people start to build a collection, how, how much pride comes with it. Because I feel like it, it, when you mm-hmm. have guests over, every piece that you bought has a story, not only of the purchase of the piece, maybe, but also the, the and I think that there's so many opportunities for conversation around art. And if you just, um, buy art purely for decorative purposes, you're going to lose that ability to have mm-hmm. conversation about it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I talk a lot about, cause I have a lot of clients with kids too. And they say, well, what a, you know, and I think having art in your home is so important for children. I think that it inspires conversation. Um, there's just so much opportunity there to bring life to a home in that way that expose them at an early age to, um, artwork other than abstract art, you know, abstract art, obviously to me inspires so much, but then have some photography, maybe have some, um, sculpture and other kind of pieces. I mean, I just think it enriches their lives as much as it enriches yours. And I remember distinctly being in my aunt's house and being, and, and, and really being struck by some of the art in her home. I just, 
I remember that as a child. I mean, my parents tended to have more traditional art and I feel like, and she was, she had more contemporary art. And I just remember spending hours looking at the art in her walls and being inspired by Mm -hmm. it. You, you mentioned early emerging artists and, um, you, you posted a couple on your, on your stories. And, um, I was wondering Mm -hmm. what makes you stop when you find, when you come across someone emerging? Cause I mean, there's so many out there and what makes you really uh-huh. like fall for a new I, artist? I mean, it's hard to know because I feel like I have so many wide ranging aesthetics that I like that. Like, I don't know if there's one thing. I mean, um, there's, there's a few moments where I've, I mean, when I'm in an art fair, you look at so much art and I don't know, maybe I've just developed an eye where I, there's certain things I, I can't, I can't really put into words what would make me like stop in my tracks for a certain piece. Um, I remember walking into Art Basel in Miami and seeing an artist named Deborah Roberts work who I've written an article about since then for, um, 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 uh, arts and culture magazine here in Texas. But, and I remember being, she does these beautiful collages of children. Um, and I just remember feeling it has stopped in my tracks and I've since then just been, I've, I've taught a piece of her work and she's now has a big show at, um, at the Austin museum. And I just remember thinking this is. I've never seen this before and this is beautiful work. And this, I encourage y'all to go read the article I wrote about her work because it's so inspiring and so thoughtful. Um, And so, I mean, there's moments like that where I know that, you know, it it hit me and then I feel like it was a universal, she was on the, her work was on the front of Harper's Bazaar too um, over the summer. Um, She's, she's had, she's, you know, everyone's taking on to her work now. And then Beyonce posted, I remember Beyonce posted a, image of herself in front of her piece by her well, and I was like go. oh Beyonce <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but anyways so um so there's certain artists that I that but I can't really wrap my head around what brings me to love them to to fall in love with a piece mm-hmm. I really I mean I don't I don't know how to verbalize that maybe it's just because I've seen so much that I've just developed a certain taste that I can't mm-hmm. really describe and do you I have clients that uh either bring something that they like, what do you think? I really like this. And you're like, oh, I'm vomiting in my mouth a little, or they already have things in their collection that you're like, this really needs to go in the basement. Or do you feel like if a client loves it, then it's okay. I don't know if I've ever ended up in a circumstance where I felt like I okay. had to like tell them to hide something that they had. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't think there is. Um, but I do my, my favorite clients are the ones that are really, really willing to take a chance to have something on their wall that and again, it, it, it's so rewarding because I think that if you really, I think sometimes people think I cannot, I can't look at that all day, but if you really love something and it's, even if it's a portrait of, I mean, portraiture is really um, a trend right now. I feel like, and it's obviously I have family portraits too. I think family portraits are lovely and sentimental, but having a portrait of someone else, you know, I think mm-hmm. people think, well, I don't even know that person, mm-hmm. but I don't know. You, they become part of your family in a way. I mean, they, so there's so much great portraiture out there. And I feel like I love people that are willing to take that chance of like put something kind of funky over their fireplace that, you know, is not, I, I don't, I don't know. Those are my, those are my, probably my most preferred clients that people are really, really willing to take a chance to say, you know what, I'm going to put that on my wall and I'm going to, and it's going to bring me so much joy, even though it probably is a little bit out there sometimes, you know, so yeah. Um, what about portraiture? Like if you have an old family piece, should you just sort of keep it in the 
gilded ornate frame that it's in? Should you mix it up? Should you change the frame? Well, that's a great question. Well, I have, so, so my dad did a wonderful thing and took all of our family portraits and had them um, put on a uh, drive as a, cause you can have mm-hmm. giclés made of them. So, which is like a great gift to go and have every, and you sit, give people the canvases. Um, so I actually have a giclé of my grandmother who I'm named after. Um, it's a beautiful portrait of her from her teens. I think she was like 19 in it. And, um, I actually just got it framed and I framed it a little bit more modern. Um, it's mm-hmm. going to go in my, we just moved to a house. It's going to go into my living room. But, um, I really highly, I mean, I think portrait, if you have a good portrait in your family, I mean, the, if you have a good portraits in your family, I highly recommend G claying them because there's a, to me, the value is in sentimentality. So it doesn't really matter that it's not mm-hmm, original. Right. Um, Right. So I highly recommend that because I think that, and again, yeah, frame them. Yeah. Take some chances with the framing to, to make them a little bit more contemporary. Um, so I'll, I'll post idea. it once it's, once it's framed. So do I just Google like someone who's doing art, um, G clays or something like that or. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it's a great gift, honestly, because you can give the people just the file, yeah. you can have it done and then have them or print out the canvases and you can print them out in different sizes. So if you want to have like a small, yeah. you're doing a gallery wall and want to have a smaller version of portraits, maybe that are in your family. That's really sweet. Um, yeah. That's yeah. really cool. I like that idea a lot. Um, what do you think about portraiture? Like for your kids, do you have any clients that do that? And, and I, I do. I do. Like, I, I, what do you think about that risk? Of, I feel like that's such a risk to put your child's face in the hands of someone. <laughs> I know. I know. And, to be honest, though, there's so many. There's actually a um, uh, a representative, a friend of mine, Molly, who who does that for a living, is kind of a, helps represent portrait artists. So I work with her a lot um, to help people find the right port. Because what I do is, if someone comes to me for a portrait, we present them a portfolio of portrait artists that are working with children, and you pick pastel. Or I've only done it a few times, but um, and we've had times where the I mean, most of the time the artist is going to work till you're happy because because portraits of children are not, especially if they're um, oil portraits, are not inexpensive. So they're going to make an effort to get it right. Most artists yeah. are going to go yeah, to that effort, true. you know. Um, but I haven't I haven't done them with my ch- children yet. So, but um, but I but I've had some very successful um, uh, art, um, renderings of clients' kids that have really been beautiful so i just you know it doesn't um, occur to me to think oh you know what i need i need a painting of my children so is that <laughs> well, it's but not something i normally like, do photos. it's not something i normally do the, the the client that i've helped do this i i i've helped them build their collection mm-hmm. and then and, and and i've done it kind of help them find the right um uh, artist to commission on, you know, as a kind of part of the project. But um, so I was wondering maybe it's if it's not coming something... like super back in style. So it's just very niche. I know. And we have, and I, I mean, my family has a lot of portraits and I have portraits of and my parents actually had port, a portrait done of me in high school that was very contemporary. And um, in the, me and my two brothers and they're very, it's from an artist from Mexico city and they're very symbolic. They have like all this symbolism in them. Um, they kind of feel surrealist. Um, so there That's are opportunities cool. to do things that are a little bit more contemporary. Mm-hmm. There are artists doing mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, I, I, but I, but again, I think that it's something that you pass down through generations. It's true. not true. Yeah. But here's my question. Mm-hmm. I mean, my mom has, I think two portraits of me actually. And, she likes um, 
as well as like herself and that were like my grandparents did. You know what I mean? But what do you mm. do? Like, am I going to take that and hang like a portrait of myself when I was a little girl in my house? That's a good I don't know. I'm just curious. I mean, you, you could know, always get a gicle and make it a smaller version. You know what I mean? If you don't want to have like a true. gigantic yeah. version of yourself. I mean, but I mean, we could all use a portrait then of ourselves. I still ourselves, have to right? store the old one. We yeah. could, I mean, <laughs> we could always use a portrait. I mean, part of me thinks, should I have had one done as an adult? Like that, you know, when we're in our thirties and forty, I, you know, in my thirties still, but like it, you know, at a time where we're not post college, that we're actually thirties is a good decade probably to have your portrait true. done, right? Thirties and forties. Yeah, wrinkling up. Yeah. And you can be glowing at any age. That's with true. A great good point. Right. Yeah. Well, exactly. I, had a, I just I just remember this, you guys. If you can't even believe it, I had a friend give me a painting of me for my fiftieth birthday. I have no idea where to hang this thing because I don't know where to put a picture of myself in my home. Is it good? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a good painting of you? Do you like the way put, you look? I think you should put it, put it out. I mean, it, it seems so yeah. vain to me to be like, and here I am. No, it's not. It? It's, it's not. It's not. I think that you're, it, I think you should hang a portrait of yourself if it's something. I think it's lovely. I think that it's an old, it's a great tradition and, you shouldn't think of it as something that, you know, okay. feels vain. I get it. Where do you have it okay, right now? Say, do you I have a store? Yeah, we're kind of it's leaning on the floor behind a door of the guest room. How big is it? It's uh, like I'd say thirty-six by twenty-four. Oh, that's big. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. Oh, that's big. It's, it's kind of loose. I mean, maybe not like in your, it's, you know, maybe not like in your bedroom, but why wouldn't you hang it? Like, I mean, there's, there's, I think it, you should send me an image of it. I'd like to see what this portrait okay. looks like. You should email it to me. Okay. What about your guest bed? So you can watch over your guests. <laughs> oh, I think maybe. Creepy. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally kidding. That would be super creepy. Um. <laughs> but again, it's something you um, might pass on, you know? Yeah. So I should give it to one of my kids for Christmas. I, my, yeah. <laughs> okay. put, it, put it in your doorway, son. <laughs> Mommy's here. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Sorry, that would be great. I'm going to hang it right Oh, my here. gosh. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> we can move on from portraiture in a second. But I was going to say, I actually did notice recently um, someone we had on the show a couple of years ago. Her name is Janie Molster. And she actually had great... Um, portraits of her children done and she hangs them in very you know unfussy ways like it doesn't have an ornate and it wasn't you know your typical like posing they were very like loose anyways I I just noticed like looking through her house oh okay that's got to be your child and um, anyway so if anyone is looking for some inspiration yeah she was a good one I recently saw Um, and I'll post once my grandmother's portrait's done I'll post so people can get it I'll post it so people can understand what I'm, I mean, it's still relatively traditional how I have it framed, but I don't have an ornate frame. I have like a, a more, it's still slightly gilded, but it's, um, I have very contemporary art. So it's kind of fun to mix it in with, you know, some of the other pieces right. that I have in the room. So, cause I think oh, it's yeah. so, I was going to ask about that oh, mix, on. you know, cause we've talked about like in a house, I understand you don't want to all like one note style in a room, uh, like that also mix the art different types. So what you're telling? Yes. And I just think that you shouldn't, again, it's, it's, it should be a collection and not an extension of what the design is of the room. It should bring life to the room, but it shouldn't, the room shouldn't dictate the art. And I, I think, I mean, I do, I do occasionally, I want to, I want to compliment the aesthetic of the home. You know, I, some things can, 
Um, but I don't think that it should be, should dictate it, if that makes sense. Um, and again, there's just so many opportunities. I mean, I think people forget that photography is such a great way to collect in a much more um, affordable way and, um, and framed. I mean, it can, it can really make such a statement. I mean, you have to make sure that it's not in direct sunlight. I mean, there's a little bit, there's a, some, some more parameters that exist when you have um, photography, but still, I think that um, there's just so many opportunities and you can do things that really interesting and with photography that are, that bring, that can really can make a room feel very contemporary, you know? Yeah. And mix it in with traditional okay. interiors. I feel like there's a lot of contemporary art that um, people, you know, might say, like, I'm not going to spend money on that. Like, I could do that. Uh-huh. What do you say to someone that says that? <laughs> okay, I could well, do you know that. What I mean? it's so funny because I know, and it's so funny because you know what I, you know what I <laughs> yeah. say to them? Try. Get out your brush. <laughs> but right, then also, right, also, you have to, uh, again, really try is the first thing because most of the time, and if they can do it, then maybe they're in the, they should take that path and yeah, but there's a, I need, again, that you're giving me ideas of things to put on, put up, put up on the internet because there's a great PBS video that was released like a five years ago. That was like, it's called, I can do that. And it's all about breaking down that question of people saying that. And a lot of the argument they make is like, you probably couldn't and you didn't, you know? So, you know what I mean? Like there's so much, and again, I think that's where the art history comes into it because there's so much, uh, and again, there. I, I don't know if you're talking about more contemporary artists. They're kind of doing things that are in the style of of artists um, that were doing it for the first time. You know, there are. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Cy Twombly was doing that for the first time, and people might say, "I could do a Cy Twombly." Well, try a, but B, you didn't do it when he did it and took those chances. You know, and so right. he and, that and was he's what was part of the yeah, and he's part of a movement he was take he took chances and he introduced things that had never been seen before it was groundbreaking so yeah that's why he's well, like, tell like describe aside Twombly and what what was he doing that was you know yeah i mean you just have to think of the time period even like that when you were talking about abstract expressions earlier you have to think of the time period of what was there was nothing before that that resembled that so he was coming onto a and, and, and you also, like, I think about when you were talking about Dorothy Miller with Frank Stella, Frank Stella did these black canvases, right? And people got scoffed at them and she put them up on the walls and for, in the show, this monumental show, 16 Americans. So it's this idea that, that they were taking chances and doing things that had never been seen before in art, that they, and that's how kind of the art, if you think about the art history canon, like that's how it, it progresses is that people were doing it for the first time. Right. But I'm going to send this, I'm going to send this video. I'll put this video out because it's really actually, and I'll try to time it for when this podcast is released because it's really interesting. And I think it gives a lot of insight into why we shouldn't say those things because, you know, um, because it's a difficult and B they were in taking chances, but were never, there was nothing they were mock. They were not, they were not mimicking anything. They were doing things, you know, independently. Imagining it completely. (laughs) Yeah. So. Yeah. So, but well, um, and I think sometimes it's, it's a good reminder that often, uh, the simplest things, whether that's in cooking or, um, your interior design yeah. or a painting are the most difficult 
to execute exactly. because they require perfection. And also too, so no, good. and no, there's no judgment if you don't love that work, right? If you don't, if you look at that and think that doesn't bring me any joy, then you don't have to, don't have that in don't your buy home. That side don't have, you know, but <laughs> Yeah, don't buy it. <laughs> but I'm just saying like, but, but I'm saying if you, if you don't love it, don't buy it. But I think there are people out there that, that, that brings them, you know, I'm, a select few that can afford it, but, um, but it brings them joy, you know? So, um, I definitely think that if the, no one's making you buy anything and put anything on your wall, I mean, you might be offended by some of the price points of things, but just move on. You don't, you don't have to fill your mind with that. So Ela, speaking of price points, (laughs) what should I, I mean, give me some kind of framework around a normal person's budget for art. Right? Oh, is that even possible? I don't even know if I can. What is a normal uh, person? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like someone who's not a collector. I mean, right? it's I'm, hard to know. I mean, I'm look, I deal collector. with my, I deal with my own budget. I know, but I deal with my right. own budget parameters. I mean, there's things that I would love. My wish list is pages long. Do things have um, to be thousands of dollars, or, or is there anything available that's like a photography that might be less, or do we need to start our threshold at like? 2000, Well, so there's, I think there's plenty of emerging artists, right. That are, that you can find any, an artwork at any price point. Now, if you're saying I want to spend $5,000, right. And I want it to be a good investment that gets a little bit more tricky because they have to be with a gallery probably that's thinking about their future. Again, you might hit the jackpot. You might find somebody, you know, like when Peggy Guggenheim was buying all that artwork at, you know, very nominal prices. And she ended up with one of the most expensive. Cl- I mean, there, there are, there are instances where you strike gold, right. And you found something that you love and then it, I'm not planning to retire off of this piece of art. You know what I mean? I just want to get something I, I love and, and, and feel like I'm, I'm, it's quality and I, but are you, but are, but are, is the price point because you want to make sure it's a good investment? Because the thing is, is that the investment part of it, well, then you really if you love it. It's my up budget today. I know. But, it, and if you love it, then, and it's out of your, I mean, I don't know how to approach the question because if you love the piece, but you can't afford it, you can't, af- right. You can't afford it. No, I guess what I'm asking is, is that enough for me to go find something lovely? Definitely. Okay. Because it's going to be up to your eye of what now I, um, there's plenty of galleries that have, and again, there's plenty of opportunities to do that. It's just that whether you're going to spend the $5,000 and then, t- and then five years later, want to know if that's appreciated, that there's no guarantee with that because sometimes, you know, I think that a lot of times it's, it's hard to know if you're in that price point, if that makes sense. Um, but again, you can. And the auction's a great place. I think there's so many, um, all the auction houses have like kind of um, contemporary auctions that are usually in the in the fall, like in the early fall. And they're kind of geared towards young collectors. And sometimes they're prints, you know, and the prints is a great way to maybe collect an artist that you love. And that can be where I come in as an advisor to say whether it was worth, you know, what, because I think there's a lot of, details that come in with pricing of prints you know whether it's it's a signed print or part of it how big the edition size is i mean there's lots of um points within a print buying a print that are important but 
but I do, but auction is a great place that you can, I mean, I have searches on artists that I love that I'm going to keep an eye out for my own collection. Um, and there's little auctions all sometimes all over the U S and sometimes I've just bought a piece out of Paris that I was a photographer that I really wanted. And I came up for auction and I, I got it at a price that was a little bit better than if I had bought it, um, independently through a gallery. So, um, anyway, so that, I mean, it just depends. I mean, I definitely think there's opportunities for sure to, I'm not saying that good art, it has to be expensive. Yeah. Good to know. And things that bring you joy have to be expensive. So what are some, what are some themes or trends we should know about what's happening in the art world right now, if we're going out and looking for new people? So trends, I mean, Again, I said earlier, portraiture is actually a really, I mean, a lot of the artists that I really have my eye on are working in portraiture um, and more about capturing contemporary life than it is about um, traditional portraiture. Um, And then I do, I see a lot of textural artwork right now, a lot of working with fabrics. Um, But again, like you, I can walk into an art fair and it's amazing. You can walk into an art fair and walk around and immediately see there's so much of a lot of like, you can see a trend. You can see there's a lot of artists working in the same, um, working in the same medium or there's same themes. So, but I would say right now, I, I think portraiture, figurative paintings kind of, I feel like people are, are figurative. I mean, not figurative painting, um, more realism, realism's coming back versus, you know, people doing interiors, um, painting interiors. Like um, actual paintings of rooms? Yeah, huh? oh, paintings of rooms. That's cool. Um, Jonas Wood, I, feel, I don't know if you know an artist named Jonas Wood, but he was doing these interior paintings. And then I feel like there's been a kind of, there's been a resurgence of artists doing that. So, um, yeah. Okay. So if, if you, if you do start seeing trends, is that something you should, should we then steer away from it? I mean, I've sort of backed, backed you into this question. <laughs> again, but. <laughs> I know, again, I think it's so hard with, I think so much mm-hmm. of it has to do with what you like, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it's, again, like people come to me because I do feel I can advise you on artists that I know um, are good collector's pieces, right? I mean, collector's pieces get in a little bit more of a different price point, right? Um, but I think like I can advise you that to, to experiment with portraiture, don't rule that out as something to purchase because it's, you don't know the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and again, I think it's so interesting and I, I do a lot of, I, I have a lot of um, insp- inspiration photos on my Instagram where you can see how people have incorporated art into their homes. And I think that's a great way to see how you can take, take how bold choices can be so rewarding. Um, and again, like I encourage you to go look because it'll show you that you can have things that seem relatively minimalist in, in a, you know, like, I don't know, like a Fontana, which is a, he, 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 um, slashed canvases, just painted canvases and slashed them. It was all about, um, it, I did a whole story on him as well, but he, sometimes you see him paired into a, in, in a, a very traditional, um, setting. And I just think that the juxtaposition is so great. And I think more than anything, you can look at a trend and think I like it or I don't like it. And if you like it, that means there's a lot of artists working in that in that, um, style. And so there might be some opportunities to buy things that are maybe not mm-hmm. exorbitantly expensive. For sure. sense. But again, it all comes down to, you have to love the piece. You should never buy a piece that you don't want to hang on your wall. And I think that so much of what I try to do with IG art is that to, 
I love abstract art, but I think people feel like that's the only thing they can really commit to sometimes in a oh, home. Something is just soft that goes feel, away in know, the background. Soft, yeah, that goes, that doesn't, doesn't stand mm-hmm. out and just fills a space. And I think we have to think beyond that and think about a collection and think about taking some chances with art. Because I think that if you love a piece, it, it will only bring life to your home. Yeah. Well, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, we've talked a lot about um, if you have antiques, lots of brown furniture, an abstract piece is a great way to, you know, differentiate yeah. it, modern it up, you know, modernize it. But yeah. to the same yes. To the same point, if all you have is abstract, very ethereal, white and pastel color art on your walls, then it all goes away. And so then there's like, what's the point? Because it's it's all the One same. Note. And so it, you don't, mm-hmm. it doesn't notice. Like yeah. that wood piece, you know what I mean? Like you were trying to differentiate the wood piece. I don't know if I'm explaining this properly, but. You know, I know, I know what you're saying. And also too, it loses its, it, unless it's a piece, if you're just buying to fill a space, you're not going to even want to talk about it because it's not, to me, it's just another decorative piece. It's not, you don't know who the artist is. You don't know. Um, I just, and also too, a lot of people tend to buy um, gicles of abstract art, right? Just to fill a space when you could go support an, an emerging artist and buy something that's original. Um, and there's so much opportunity for that. I mean, there's great websites. And I think sometimes people get intimidated to contact a gallery and just say, can you send me a checklist of available works by this artist? There's no harm in that. I mean, they may be out of your budget, but there's no harm in, um, in contact. I mean, contacting anybody you see, you know, if you go on artsy, I don't know if y'all are familiar with the website, but you no. can go on artsy and look at tons of art all day long and you can kind of, um, and then email the gallery, say, can you send me a checklist? I'd like to see what's available. So what is a checklist? There's a no list of the artists with all their work. Like, yeah. So I call it a checklist. Checklist usually is like an exhibition. If, it's, if there's a new exhibition coming up, I like to get a checklist, which is usually, it's a small image normally with the, with the cataloging information and the price. And it kind of gives you an idea. And then you can ask for, you know, high res, a high res image or something if you want more information. But some of the galleries list prices, some of, on that website, some don't. Um, and so you have to reach out and obviously get, um, uh, and then also go, I am my Instagram. If you see something you like on my stories, I post art all day long, message me and ask me to send you an email with the information. I do that all the time for people. I sell work that way all the time. Um, so, I mean, there's just, and, there, and I just feel like there's, just look at a lot of things because that's going to develop your eye and what, what, um, so I say like, if you're going to go to an art fair, take a picture of everything that you like, right? So walk around with your phone and take a picture of everything you like. And then when you go back to look through your images, you're going to probably see a theme of something, things that, that you're attracted to. And that may give you kind of a framework to work within where you're not so overwhelmed. And I think obviously art fairs are not going on right now with COVID, but you can do the same thing with taking screenshots, going on a website like Artsy and taking screenshots of things that kind of interest you. And then from there, make a folder. And then you can kind of understand or take screenshots of things you see on Instagram that you like, and you will, you will start to see that there, I mean, you just like you develop an aesthetic, you know, a aesthetic for your own home, you're going to, de- you're going to have something, you're going to un- start to understand what your eye is attracted to. That makes to. so much sense because we do counsel people all the time to do that for their own home, you know, and create your own Pinterest boards and all that. And then you see that common theme and then you understand what it is you gravitate towards. But I never, never thought about doing that with art. I think that's so, such good counsel. And again, because I do think it's just so overwhelming. And that's why people hire me normally, because it's just, there's so much to look mm-hmm. at. 
um, and they want to spend their money correctly and all of, you know, all the things that come with it. And um, so anyway, so I do feel like there's, this is what I want. I know. Right? Can I have that? Well, honey, it's not $2,000, no. but <laughs> Richard, Sarah. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um, I know, but I do I think that do it, that. that means no, that you, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think there's there, that, I mean, first of all, you can buy his prints. Um, and again, I, I encourage people, if you love that artist, go read about that artist, go see, go look and see when his next exit museums go when you seek him out. And I think it's so rewarding too, when you go into a museum and you've developed the eye where you walk up and say, Oh, I know this artist, you know, and I know what's behind it. And I know the story and I know how he got here and all of that. So it just gets me kind of excited, you know, that, and again, that's why I love doing the art history stories because there's people that are like, I've never taken an art history course. And then they're, you know, and then they, they just get so inspired by it, which is, it's amazing that it's kind of universal in a way that people, and maybe I always say that art's kind of the universal language in a way. It's kind of our universal language because we can all look at it and interpret it. Um, and maybe that's, it's, there's kind of a humanity in it in terms of everyone feeling connected to art in a way, you know, but I always just tell people, don't feel intimidated. You know, I just feel like art, the art scene can be very yes. intimidating. Yes. But Definitely. just don't just yeah. like, don't let it go. Own it. All right. Just get it. Email the gallery. Own talk it. Talk about it. I mean, there's some artists that they're going to say you're, there's a wait list. And, you know, I deal with that sometimes there's a wait list or we're only selling to museums right now and all of that kind of stuff that comes along with right. the art market. Mm -hmm. But yeah, probably not on that list. <laughs> I'm trying to think some other things too. Like we, like lately I've been placing, like we've done, I've done some cool art, some cool sculptural benches from an artist from Copenhagen. Oh, you just we're posted put outside. I mean, yeah. Sculptural, sculptural garden. Yeah. I mean, that's another whole thing that people don't even think about how, and th those are so awesome too, because he's also the ones that do the, does the balloons. I don't know if you've seen the balloons that have okay. the, those sculptures that I hang mean, in that your home. I first thought they were just balloons hanging from the ceiling. I didn't know they and they're were so artists. neat because but I'm like, what is it? They're so whimsical. What is she representing in this picture? It's just balloons <laughs> in a chair. Oh, duh, the balloons. <laughs> and the balloon hangs from a magnet. So it actually sways with like the current of the air conditioning. I mean, they're so magical. That's really um, cool. And he, I love his artwork. I feel like he's has so much whimsy and I love the idea that these sculptures are benches that you can crawl all over and slide down. And um, so I'm so excited about, you know, there's just so many fun um, when people are willing to take chances and do those kind of things. It's fun. You know, and how are you instilling this appreciation and love for art in your children? My home is filled with art, eh? Um, but I mean, I'm, I'm a, I come from a creative family in general. So I do think that like we are, I mean, I, I think it's a little early. They're three and five for really the art history part of it. We have a lot of art history kid books that we talk about. You know, we have all the the bios of, you know, the little biographies and things of that sort. Um, they know that mommy sells art. I don't know if they know anything beyond that. But um, I just think we go to art museums. I mean, I've taken them. We with The new Kinder um, building opened here at the MFH, which is amazing if you live in Houston um, for modern and contemporary art. And I sit them in front of them and I ask them questions. You know, I say, what do you, even if it's something as simple as what's your favorite color in this piece or what do you think this piece is representing? It's amazing what they're, I mean, they're almost more, more, have more freedom in their thought about art than, you know, and inspires them. So art, art museums um, are a great, great place for little kids, especially if you go like right when it opens and no one is there. I mean, 
and most of them have it's a big open space they have programs so yeah. often for children too you know that th- they're working hard to try to expose children art to create that love affair yeah as well but again just ask them questions i mean i mean i've seen you could take in a you know take in a take in a piece of paper and some crayons and have them sit and try to you know that's i know they i don't know if the every art museums allow that but most do allow you to kind of play around with your own you know um I mean, some art museums let you bring your own easel in and copy artwork. So the more they see, just like for us, the more they see, the more they're going to appreciate and the more they're going to be intrigued, um, inspires curiosity. I mean, the other day I was talking about placing a Gordon Parks photograph, who was one of the main photographers for time that photographed the Jim Crow era in the South. And those are such beautiful um images that also have so much depth to them and so much of our history. And, and those are kind of, I said, that's a wonderful thing to have in your home. It's a piece of history that inspires conversation and talks about our past, our complicated past. And um, just, there's, there's so many opportunities to bring conversation in. I think photography is a great way to bring conversation into your home with kids. Mm -hmm. So I was just going to ask, how do you display your children's art? Do you have is it just magnets on a fridge or do you display them in an unusual way? Oh, no, I have a, I have a, um, I have, and I have a really hard time like tossing. Like, I feel like I'm like <laughs> doing my job where I'm like, good, not good, good, not good. You know, like trying to figure out what to keep, you know, because I mean, how much do they bring home from school? It's just overwhelming. Right. I keep like a big file folder that there's actually great, um, I don't, there's great, there's a really good app that you can, or a website you can send it all into and they make a coffee table book of it. That's, oh, that's such um, a good idea. Yeah. So you don't have, and you can keep hard, they'll send you back the, like the copies of it if you want. But I mean, to have, so my idea is just to accumulate as much as I can mm-hmm. for, and then go through it and make a, make a coffee table book. Maybe that's like their child, you know, That's really because good. it is overwhelming. And we have a lot, we have a lot of bulletin boards and things of that sort, but and I, there's some things I've, you know, if it's a really fun, cool, my, like my daughter did one that was a portrait of herself that she like did the blowing in the straw with the watercolor. And it's like, turned out really interesting, mm-hmm. kind of like a Damien Hirst feel to it. And I was like, oh, I'll frame it. But it's in the playroom. It's not out in the main living area, yeah. but we have <laughs> a mama. big folder and I keep all their art. <laughs> Isla, thank you so much for joining us. This was such a fun conversation and I'm such a fan of your Instagram and I'm going to keep following your story. So if you can tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all that good stuff. Um, where they can find me is probably the best place. And then they, you know, I'm about, I'm, I'm like we said before, I'm eight months pregnant. So I'm going to try to keep up with these art history lessons on Sunday, but um, if they can, they can go, they can search Isla Gaunt on Instagram and find my IG art and get inspired and um, don't be afraid of taking some bold choices with art. It's rewarding, I promise. And so, and if, again, I post artwork all the time. It's all different price points. I find emerging artists. So keep an eye out on my stories because it's a great place to just kind of see a lot of different kinds of artists working in different mediums and different themes and um, enjoy. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. 
And of course, follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time. Happy Happy decorating. decorating.